It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Here we go with Malia Jacobson as your host. Hello, welcome to the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. I'm your host, sleep and health journalist, Malia Jacobson. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. I am doing very well. I'm enjoying our fantastic weather that we've been having here in the Pacific Northwest. We are right smack dab in the middle of our very, very short summer, but we've been having uh, weather in the 80s and 90s even, and this is sort of it. This is our very, very short window of summer, so I'm trying to be outside as much as I can spend time with the kids outside as much as we can. Our flowers are blooming, our garden is growing, and life is good. I hope that you're enjoying your summer wherever you are, um, whether you're staying close to home or whether you are venturing out a little bit further, able to do something fun. Um, I hope that it's great. And I hope that you're able to stay relatively well rested while you're out on your summer adventures. Today's episode is something new that I'm very excited about. It's call, I'm calling it a SOS Save Our Sleep episode. And instead of a, an author or a doctor, uh, my guest is a parent struggling with a sleep issue with their child, and they're going to tell me about it, and we are going to talk it through. Answering sleep questions is something that I love to do. It's something that I've been doing for I guess maybe 12-ish year. I don't know, more than a decade, a long time, um, as a journalist and a columnist for a number of publications. I've written numerous articles about sleep and columns about sleep. And as part of that, I've had readers write in, um, email me, contact me with questions about sleep, and I have answered those questions. And so I'm going to be translating some of those, kind of pulling those into episodes here and there because a lot of the questions follow common themes. And a lot of the time we will discover that, you know, the struggle that you're having really isn't so unique that it's shared across, uh, you know, that other parents are struggling with it, or if it's something that you're struggling with as an adult, many people are also struggling with it. We're never alone whenever we have a problem. And I certainly see that I get a number of questions um, focused on kind of some similar age um, age groups and age ranges. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to highlight about today's call is that it focuses on a baby that's in that eight to nine month age range. And that is probably that and about 18 months are the age ranges about which I get the most questions. Um, it's just a really tough time for sleep. Uh, because babies are in the middle of transitioning. Often they're transitioning um, from three naps to two naps or down from two nap to one nap. And it can just throw sleep into a really crazy place, even for parents who felt like they were on a great routine of have worked very hard on their child's sleep. will just discover that things go kind of haywire for a little while and they will reach out to me. And so today's caller is someone that I have known for uh, quite a while. She was my children's teacher for many years and um, just such a special part of our lives. And so it's great to be able to stay in touch with her. And so 
I hope that you um, enjoy listening to this um, call and that we can kind of learn something because as I said, the eight, eight to nine month age range is an age range where a lot of people have sleep problems with their babies and it is temporary, but it can be uh, really frustrating. So here we go. Enjoy. Hi, Sierra. Thank you so much for joining me today and for taking time in your lovely sunny afternoon to talk to me and my listeners. Hi, thanks for having me. We were just catching up about um, all the things that have been different about this summer. And this has been quite a school year and quite a summer. So I will introduce Sierra. She is someone that I know through my children's school. Um, she actually taught all three of my children for uh, preschool, kindergarten, and I think first grade. So I think all total, I had a child in your class for, I don't know, six or seven years consecutive, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Straight through. I think I'm so lucky to have been able to experience that. So you taught all of my kids for kindergarten and they absolutely loved being in your class. And then over this past crazy, crazy school year, you have had the opportunity to be at home with your new little one. So as I was just saying, you picked a great year to sit this one out and be at home and miss a lot of the craziness that's gone on in the school world. And you have been on your own adventure as a new parent. Definitely. And it's been challenging and, but a great challenge to navigate through this new time. And luckily my husband gets to spend time home with us as well. So we're in this together and it's a fun journey. Yes, and, and um, you have had maybe a little bit of extra time even with quarantine and all the um, disruption in everyone's schedules. You've been able to, uh, I guess, have the silver lining of spending a little more time at home and being able to enjoy these first few months of new parenthood. So you, it sounds like your little guy has uh, been a pretty good sleeper from day one. He I was born last fall, and it sounds like you've just recently come into some um, kind of disruptions in his sleep. So you reached out to me um, and said, your son's almost nine months old. He had been taking three naps a day, sleeping about 12 hours at night, uh, um, and he recently started waking at 4 a.m., which you're not too thrilled about, understandably. So can you tell me a little bit more about what has been going on with him? Yeah. So ever since he was a newborn, we understood the importance of healthy sleep habits. So ever since he was new and we brought him home, we've been really uh, working on those sleep habits. And it seems like we were kind of over the hump of the hard parts uh, when he hit six months. So currently he's sleeping in his crib. Um, he has a great sleeping environment in his room. So he's comfortable. Um, he falls asleep independently, so he doesn't need to be rocked or nursed to sleep. Um, he doesn't use any sleeping tools, so no pacifier. And we have a great bedtime routine. So he knows what's happening. He knows after bath time, we read and wind down, and then he goes to sleep. So all those really molded him and helped him um, to become the sleeper that he is. And so his past routine, he was taking 
three naps a day. And those were about an hour and a half naps. The last nap kind of varied sometimes. Um, some would consider sometimes it would be a cat nap, but overall they're about an hour and a half. And then he would go to bed around 5.30 or 6 and sleep till five in the morning. So he was getting about 15 hours of sleep a day, which with that schedule, he was happy, healthy, doing great. Then he started waking up at 4 a.m. And I can get up at 5 a.m. 4 a.m. I'm like, people should be sleeping at this hour. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that was just too yeah, much. Agreed. Um, so that was kind of my clue to start researching and seeing if there's ways that I can help him sleep past his time. And I got to looking and I saw that maybe he could be getting too much daytime sleep. And since he's getting close to nine months, he could start transitioning into two naps. And so our goal was for him to have three hour wake periods. So he would wake up at 5 a.m. and then his first nap would be at eight o'clock. And he has met that goal. He can rock that first three hours, take a nap, and now his nap is two hours in the morning. But where we have not met and that we need to work on is his second nap now. It's between 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock. And now he's only sleeping 30 minutes. And when I go to get him, he's not refreshed and reset. You can tell he's visibly tired. Um, the rest of the day is kind of cranky and clingy and fussy. And he just doesn't seem like he got the sleep that he needs. And so I've tried waiting a while and then seeing if he'll rest a little bit longer um, at a different time in the day. And that's just not successful. When I lay him down, he's um, upset and he's not able to put himself back to sleep. Um, and the change in his naps has also rolled over into his nighttime sleep. So he went from zero wakings in the middle of the night to now about three. So I feel like we've kind of jumped back into that pre-six month baby. And so he's waking up around 2.45, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Uh, most of the time, it's just kind of he's fussing to himself in his crib, and he'll kind of fall back asleep for another hour, and then he gets up and kind of fusses again. Sometimes it's to the point where he's really worked up, and I come into his room, and I'm noticing when I'm rocking him that it's not consoling him. It seems though it's kind of stimulating him more, and he's trying to crawl on me, and he's not getting that kind of soothing and relaxed feeling to go back to bed. Um, so I've had to nurse him, which I haven't had a night nurse since six months. So that's kind of opening that door back up. Um, his current sleep totals now are daytime. It's about two and a half hours and nighttime is about nine to 10 hours, but it's broken up. So he went from 15 hours total sleep during the days to now 11 and a half to 12 hours. So I have a couple wonderings. Um, do I power through this two nap schedule? Um, and if I do, how do I increase that second nap or set him up and us up so that we have a successful end of the day and bedtime routine? Because when he's not taking or resting more than that 30 minutes at the end of the day, we have an extremely overtired baby at bedtime. And it just isn't enjoyable for him or me or my husband. Um, and 
are the night wakings due to the lack of change or in the day sleep? And um, what should I do for these night wakings? Should I start nursing him again? Does that open up a door to a habit of night nursing again? Or will that help him soothe and go back to bed and he'll push through this? And how strict are these start times with um, naps? Because before I was going off his visual cues, which was he would, he would start to yawn or rub his eyes. And then I would know that that was time for him to lay down. But now I'm trying to push him further uh, to that three hour mark. And so is that helping him or is that playing into less sleep, especially in that afternoon nap? Um, so just any input and help on these issues would be greatly appreciated. Okay, well, thanks so much. That was a really good description and you give me a great idea of what's going on. So to answer some of your questions, first, just sort of an overview. He is, um, before you, you mentioned that he is getting about 15, maybe sometimes even more hours of sleep in a, in a um, day. And so that would kind of put him on the high average side of sleep needs. Um, and so that sort of speaks to why he has been a great sleeper up till this point. Most of the parents that I work with many times have kids who are kind of on the other end of the spectrum. They need a little bit less sleep than normal. And those kids are often gonna struggle a little bit more with naps and things like that until they find their balance. So you have a baby who is um, on the average to high average side as in terms of his sleep. And he'll probably stay there for, um, for childhood, which means that as he gets older, you'll, you'll just sort of be able to know whatever the average sleep time is for that age. That's probably where he is in terms of his sleep needs. He's um, probably just a kid who needs a little bit more sleep. Um, so of course he's not gonna be sleeping 15 hours a day as an eight-year-old, but it just gives you a, a good idea and a benchmark to go on moving forward. And so it's great that you have that knowledge right now. So I will say um, that it's going to be tough for you to get rid of that 4 a.m. waking while he's still going to bed at five. Even in a best case scenario, if you were to get him back to rested, happy baby, um, he's going down for naps and he's no longer waking at night, that five to 6 p.m. bedtime is going to be uh, difficult um, because as he's getting older, he's getting more active, his sleep needs are dialing down just a touch as he's maturing um, from an infant into soon he'll be a toddler. He's not, he doesn't need quite as much day sleep. And so that really super early bedtime that he has and that had been working for him is going to work against him now. And so your goal in getting rid of that 4 a.m. waking, um, you have a couple of different objectives. You do want to transition him to two naps. He's on the old, as in terms of that two, that nap transition from three naps to two naps, that's usually something that's starting around six to nine months. So he's sort of, he's, he's ready. He's definitely ready to be taking two naps a day. Um, and so once you get him there, you also want to maintain a bedtime that is late enough 
that he will not be waking at four, if that makes sense. So you have a couple of different things to work on, um, which I think, and so I'm not saying that to overwhelm you, but those things will fall into place. Um, and so those are two things to keep an eye on. To answer your first question, yes, you should power through getting him to two naps. Um, and I'll talk about that. And then keeping an eye on his bedtime as well. And just know that over the course of your nap transition, if you do end up with a super early bedtime, you may have that early waking return. Um, and that's just something that you might want to be aware of and anticipate, you know, there's going to be some nights where he, he might just be super, super tired with the nap transition and you're just going to have to then know that if that's a 6 p.m. bedtime night or a 5 p.m. bedtime night that you might, you might be in, in store for an early morning. Um, so let's look at your next one. Okay. So I, my question is, you had him you said he's napping at 8 a.m. Um, so what's his um, behavior like during that first three hour stretch? Is he just happy? Are you watching his cues? Or are you more just watching the clock? Um, you're, you said you're able to get him through and he takes a good solid nap. Um, what's, what's he acting like during that, that time stretch? So he kind of goes back and forth. So before we switched the schedule, when around 6.30 hit, he would um, start to become fussy and that's when his first nap would happen. Now that we're stretching through that, I notice he starts to get fussy when we're um, playing on the ground, he's having floor time and we'll transition to a new activity. So we'll go sit outside or we'll sit down and have breakfast. And if I distract him through those periods, he can get through it. Um, he is a little bit more on edge, uh, but not anything that's uncontrollable. Okay, got it. Um, and then you said he's napping from eight and then he's taking a two hour nap. So that puts you at 10 a.m., right? When he's yep. getting up? Okay, so then to continue that three hour wake period, um, that would put his next nap starting at uh, 1 p.m., but mm -hmm. you mentioned that he's going down sometimes closer to um, 11 or 12, or is he actually going down at, are you trying to get him to that three hours during that second period as well? Yeah, so it's between 12 and 1, sorry. Okay, um, so, and then that's when he's taking a much shorter nap, is that correct? Yeah, so that's when he's only resting for 30 minutes. Yeah, okay, so I think what's happening there is that he is, so he's tanking up during that first nap. So he's taking such a solid nap in the morning that he hasn't built up an, an, a strong enough drive for sleep to take a longer nap. Um, and so what happens is he's taking this kind of mega nap in the morning that's restoring him. He doesn't have a strong enough drive for sleep or sort of um, tiredness that's built up by that second nap. So he's only able to sleep for 30 minutes. And then you have this kind of 
um, overtiredness then that builds up because then he has to make it through the rest of the day without another really restorative nap. So you're kind of in this um, space where he's cranky and restless and irritable and seems tired and seems like he needs another nap, but he won't take another long nap. And then you are in that space all the way until bedtime. And so you end up with a, a baby that's really not in a good place by bedtime. And then that sets you up for a really um, restless night with a lot of night awakenings. And then you're experiencing that early, early wake up time. And so, so one thing to keep in mind is that over the next probably six months, maybe it'll be a little bit longer. Uh, ultimately, he will transition to one nap, which I know is hard to envision right now, but the average age to transition to one nap is only 15 months. So some kids start as early as 12 months. Some kids are transitioning to one nap by 18 months, but that's not that far off for him. And so it, it is something to keep in mind as your end goal. And that, that end goal is one nap that's happening in the early afternoon. And so when you're thinking about nap transitions, you want to be preserving that midday nap, not the morning nap. You wanna prioritize that midday um, or early afternoon nap as the long nap. So as you're looking at nap transitions, when there's a couple of naps or maybe a few naps that are happening during the day, you, you might need to actually wake him up from that first nap so that you're preserving enough sleep drive so that he can take a longer nap in the middle of the, of the day. Does that make sense? Yes, that does. Okay, so if you want, because if there's going to be one nap that's prioritized and preserved, you want it to be that midday nap. So while well, you can let him sleep an hour in the morning or, or maybe even up to an hour and a half, you don't wanna let it go two hours you know, you don't want to let it go longer than an hour and a half. And I would even say to wake him after an hour because while well, you're really focusing on the transition because an hour and a half allows him to go through two full sleep cycles. That's going to be a really restorative nap. And you may still end up with um, the, the issue that you're having where he's, he's, so what's happening right now is he's treating that morning nap like his one big nap of the day but that nap is too early to really get him through the entire day. So while you're thinking about which nap to prioritize, you do want to prioritize that, that midday nap. So your schedule then would look more like he's napping eight to nine, then he's getting another three hour stretch, then he's going down for a second nap, which would be the longer nap at noon. And then that one could go hopefully 12 to two. And then I did wanna bring back up the idea of the cat nap, which is a nap in the late afternoon that would just be, the purpose of that nap would just be to get him through to bedtime. Um, so you would have a morning nap that would be an hour to possibly an hour and a half, but no longer than that. Then a midday nap where you don't have to be as worried about waking him up, although I would say wake him up if it goes longer than two and a half hours. Um, and then in the afternoon, the cat nap of 30 to 40 minutes. 
um, in the late afternoon. And the purpose of that catnap is not to, to be restorative. It's not to, um, it's not a nap that's designed to really do anything except just get him through to bedtime. And the, the purpose of that is that without that catnap, you would still be looking at a very, very early bedtime for him because even if he slept 12 to two, you would still need to put him to bed you know, in that five to 6 p.m. range to keep him from getting super overtired. So with a catnap, you could do a catnap around dinner time and get him through to maybe 7 p.m., um, 7 to 8 p.m. bedtime. Um, and then that would, I believe, go a long way toward eliminating that 4 a.m. waking. Um, and then once you have him sleeping more soundly, um, once his naps stabilize a little bit, you might find what, what many people find. I mean, right now he's probably tired and you're tired because he's waking up quite a bit at night. Once his nap routine stabilizes and he's sleeping more soundly, he'll be more alert and happier during those awake intervals during the day. Um, and you will be able to get him through to dinner time um, and beyond and get him to bedtime. And you just won't need the catnap. The catnap will kind of fall off the schedule at the end of the day. Um, and you'll be able to get them through. But I would say you you want to try and, and um, your goal is to get them through to bedtime, preferably a bedtime that's later than 6 p.m. So moving toward a bedtime that's closer, hopefully, to a time, I mean, ultimately, do, does the 5 to 6 p.m. bedtime, like, I wanted to ask, how did you kind of fall into that 5 to 6 p.m. bedtime? Is that something that you went for intentionally? Is that a time that works for your family? Or would you ultimately like to get him going to bed a little bit later? I mean, because it's it's your child, it's your family, and um, you can, especially because you just have one child, you can really kind of... Um, work things out so that they work for your your schedule and your family. So just wanted to ask how that how you fell into that schedule. Yeah, um, that's a great question. It just kind of we followed him. And since he was taking that third nap, um, his prior schedule, it was just whatever time uh, was an hour and a half after his last waking then he would just start getting ready for bed. And we noticed he would just keep sleeping. So he kind of just set the schedule. Um, I am really okay with him having a later bedtime. Um, when I do notice that when I would start to push it though, he would just get so overtired that it wasn't enjoyable. But if he had that cat nap, that could push him through to those longer later times. Um, that's just something we were missing before. So that I am on board for the seven o'clock to eight o'clock bedtime. Right. And I think probably because he was, you know, he's transitioned now. He's, he's kind of in the older infant category, um, quickly moving toward um, his first birthday and then being a toddler. So as a young infant, you were putting him to bed at that um, five to six time window. And that was his bedtime. He kind of picked his own bedtime, it sounds like. Um, he just was sleeping through. Um, and now he's he's shifting. His, his needs are shifting a little bit. And so you might find that 
he still maybe wants to treat that catnap like his bedtime. And so you will probably need to help him. I mean, it, you might need to wake him up um, from that catnap. He might not treat it like a nap. He might treat it like a bedtime. The problem that you'll have, I think that you'll find is if you allow him to treat it like his bedtime and just keep sleeping, he'll keep waking up at four because he's, he's shifting now. He just doesn't need to go to bed that early. Um, from here on out, unless it was a special circumstance and he was feeling under the weather or you guys were traveling or he was kind of making up for, for something, but for his normal daytime, you know, his normal routine, um, yeah, he, he sounds like he's, uh, like I said, he's a baby who needs a little bit more sleep or kind of an average or average to high amount of sleep. Um, and he's sensitive to becoming overtired and you figure that out, so that's great. Um, so you don't want to push him too hard in the direction of, of being awake longer. Um, but for now, I think implementing that catnap will help you get to, uh, even if you have to wake him up from the catnap and he will act tired and he might be fussy, um, it will help get you through to a later bedtime. And then that will help um, with that 4 a.m. wake uh, wake up time that nobody wants. Um, and then your second part of your question was about um, nursing him at night and how do you handle those night awakenings? So when there's night awakenings where there's a baby who's been sleeping well previously, who has, uh, you know, he doesn't have sleep associations that are hurting him. He's not nursing to sleep. He doesn't use a pacifier. There's not environmental issues going on with his bedroom. You've taken care of all those things. You've done a great job. So when a baby, in his situation starts to wake up and really stay awake at night, like you really just can't get him to settle. Um, it does indicate that there's things going on during the day that are um, kind of messing with his, his drive for sleep. And so he right now, and again, you've done a great job figuring out that he is probably pretty overtired. His, um, he's gone from 15 hours of sleep a day to only 11 and a half hours of sleep. So he's fussy, he's restless, but at the same time, also taking really you know, long naps during the day. And you do want to just keep in mind that you want him to prioritize his night sleep. Um, and so you want that really restorative sleep to be reserved for the nighttime. So when he's had a tough night, you don't wanna have him you know, sleep it off during the day with you know, three hour naps. And I think for most babies that kind of Three, I would say, I don't know. It it depends. It really depends. Um, but with his sleep temperament, napping more than probably four hours in a day is going to be sort of that danger zone where he is not then going to be able to sleep twelve hours at night. You're not you're not going to find babies of his age um, who are sleeping more than sixteen hours in a twenty four hour period. So if he is napping for four hours during the day, if you take all of his sleep combined, um, then you're just not gonna get those 12 solid hours at night. It's just mathematically not gonna work out. So when he is taking up to three naps a day, including that cat nap, you have to keep an eye on the length of those naps because three hours can, three naps over the course of the day can add up really quickly and really easily to more than four hours. And so that's where the waking him up from those naps comes in and people don't like doing it. Parents don't like that advice, 
but it is the one thing that can really help make a difference in those night wakings um, is waking him up for many daytime naps that are going too long. Um, and once his nap routine stabilizes and he's taking two naps and then eventually one nap, you don't have to watch the nap length quite as long because especially when they're just taking one nap, they're not gonna exceed that you know, three to four hours of day sleep per day on just one nap. So most toddlers can just kind of nap as long as they need to nap during the daytime without it becoming an issue or affecting their night sleep. It's when they're in that time, in that age range where they're still taking two or more naps a day, where your little guy is, that they're, that the amount of day sleep becomes a problem because like I said, over three naps, the, the hours of sleep can add up really quickly to where mathematically it's just not going to work out. They, they're just not going to sleep all night long. Um, and so you'll find that as you stabilize his daytime routine, he will be waking up less, off, less often at night. Um, you, so I would focus on getting his routine stabilized and don't worry as much about what's happening with the nighttime awakenings. Um, I don't think you're going to backtrack with your nursing or night weaning. Um, and once he stops waking, those problems will kind of take care of themselves. If it's, if so, my advice would be to do whatever's the least stressful at night. Um, but I will say if your partner could take over some of those night wakings so that the nursing becomes a non-issue, that would be helpful because you are in that you know, he is still a little guy and nursing is just going to become something that's so easy for you to do um, during those night wakings, which wouldn't be the case maybe with an older toddler. Um, so yeah, if your partner can take over some of those wakings during this period where you're kind of working on getting him back on track, um, which should be a temporary thing, then that takes the nursing part out of the equation. Um, and as long as you can keep, I mean, in, in terms of keeping him on track, um, just keep most of your nighttime parenting in his bedroom. So it is, as long as you can avoid kind of carrying him around the house, taking him out of his bedroom, taking him out of his sleep space, um, I don't think you're going to really lose ground. Um, whatever nighttime parenting you have to do, um, rocking him, patting him in his bed, um, even nursing him doing, you know, just trying to keep him as soothed as you can um, and just communicating that the nighttime is for sleeping. Um, even if he does seem agitated, um, you'll get through this stretch without a lot of backtracking. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That's very helpful. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy to kind of feel like, oh my gosh, we've worked so hard and now it's all falling apart, but just trust me, he'll get back on track and um, the kind of foundations that you've created will be really, really helpful for you. Um, and I guess my advice is always sort of when people are having these issues at nighttime and have questions about night weaning or is it okay to nurse or use a pacifier or do all these things. And um, the thing is, once you get your baby's routine stabilized and you um, work on some of these things, make sure that 
the uh, that he's awake for the amount of time that he needs to be awake during the day to build up enough drive to sleep at night, then the wakings just stop happening and you don't really have to worry about what it is that you're doing or not doing um, in the middle of the night. It's um, so I always say focus on, you know, focus on what's going on in the day um, and then the night stuff will a lot of times just take care of itself and it's kind of one less thing for you to have to worry on or focus on. And, and then um, you asked how strict are the start times with the naps? Um, I think that you, prior to this, when you said you were, you were kind of watching his cues and then now you've gone to more watching the clock. I think um, as, he, as he gets older and his need for sleep during the day just dials down, um, you, I think you do need to watch the clock a little bit more than probably what you were doing in the past. Um, he, um, he was doing great. And I think you gave yourself a, a lot of good information about what his sleep cues are. So what he does when he's sleepy, what does it look like when he's getting overtired? It sounds like you know him really well in that sense. So you're in a great place. Um, but you do have to, as he gets older, kind of combine that knowledge with just an awareness of the time piece of it because, um, as I said, he doesn't need to sleep quite as much during the day. And so if you're just looking at his yawns and his eye rubbing and, and that kind of thing, his sleep cues, um, you can be a little bit misled um, by a 10-month-old in a different way that you wouldn't be by a three-month-old, if that makes sense. 10 months old, they just, as they get a little bit older, they just, um, they have some different needs. Um, they do need to be awake a little bit longer during the day to kind of build up enough um, tiredness to take a restorative nap or to sleep all night. Um, so you got to look at the clock sometimes too, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So I've given you a lot of information, but um, overall, I guess my my advice would be to yes, continue on your plan of of moving him to two naps because he is definitely old enough to be taking two naps. To focus your efforts on the midday nap because that ultimately is the nap that he will keep. Um, and so, to do that, you just keep the morning nap from getting too long, and then add a cat nap in the late afternoon to help get his bedtime uh, a little bit later and that you will want to keep his bedtime later than 6 p.m. Um, to avoid that 4 a.m. waking um, and, and just know that um, once he drops that cat nap, then his bedtime will probably then move a little bit earlier. So you would end up with maybe, once again, once he drops that catnap, you'd end up with maybe a 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. bedtime. And then that's kind of where he would stay for a while. But you're, you're kind of, you're definitely in a transition period right now where things will move around a little bit. Yes, and I love um, hearing to prioritize the midday nap. So then when he transitions again into a nap schedule that's down to one, I won't have to re help retrain him it'll just kind of already be set up for success. Right, yeah, and it is, yep, exactly. You won't have to start from scratch and he'll already have a solid nap in the middle of the day and then that morning nap will just kind of naturally fall away is the idea. Yes, that is so helpful to see planned out, yes. 
anything else or do you feel like you can can tackle this yeah this was super helpful i feel like we can tackle this i made notes on all the new schedule that i'm going to try out um how long do you think it'll take to see results are all children different or is there a typical um, time period when they start to feel in the groove of things you can see results pretty quickly it really depends on how how kind of how much you want to jump into it i think um, adults take a little bit longer to adjust um, their sleep schedules than kids do i find that an adult might take about a week maybe to adjust to let's say or maybe three days to a week to adjust to a new time zone where a kid can be really a couple of days um, so you could see things but but then keep in mind that he is in the middle of a transition so um, I think what you would see first is you'd see some changes in his daytime naps where he would be able to take a longer midnight midday nap um, so so like if you tomorrow shortened his morning nap you would probably see a change in his midday day nap in almost immediately um, or maybe the next day so you, you'll probably see changes in his naps within a couple of days if you really jump in and then from there those changes would then trigger changes in his nighttime sleep if that makes sense so I would say within a week or two, things will smooth out. And then you might find that he's, once he starts sleeping more soundly at night, then you might find, oh, wow, he's like, he has more energy during the day. He's actually kind of powering through these awake times. And now maybe his naps um, shift around even a little bit more, or now like his, um, maybe you can drop the cat nap sooner than you thought because he's able to take a longer afternoon nap or midday nap and he just doesn't need that cat nap because it's pushing his bedtime too late or he's um he's not that tired he's not really tired enough to take a cat nap but you think he can make it through to bedtime um so some of those changes will start happening too um so yeah it can be a pretty quick process um in terms of just starting to see improvements in his naps, which will then improve his nighttime sleep too. That sounds great, because this 4 a.m. wake up call, not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I will say right now, I mean, it sounds like you have his room darkened, but right now we are pretty close to peak daylight. Um, and so it is really common for babies to wake up just because of that lovely, you know, 4.30 a.m. sunrise that we have right now, but it sounds like that's probably not the case with him. I think he's really reacting to what's going on in his sleep schedule more um, than, than the, the daylight situation. Um, and so you should be in a good situation to get that 4 a.m. wake up, just, just leave that behind. I don't think anyone needs or wants that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think and I and I don't think he sounds like a natural born early bird either. Just from what you've told me about his sleep needs and his kind of sleep temperament, um, I don't think he's a kid who is gonna, you know, because there's probably about fifteen percent of the population are natural early risers, um, and it's just part of their um, biorhythm, and they will stay that way more or less over the course of their life. 
Um, I don't think that's the case with him. I think that he's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, he's a temporary stopover in the early bird category. He's, he's not a lifer. <laughs> that is, I'm so happy to hear this. <laughs> he's going to kind of skip through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope this has been helpful and it's been really good catching up with you and best of luck. I think you guys are going to do great. Thank you so much for all this help. And we're going to jump in with two feet and hopefully get some morning sleep in. Yeah. Well, here's hoping. Okay. Thanks, yes. Sierra. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it. I hope you have enjoyed my very first SOS episode. If you have a question that you'd like to see me answer and you would like to call in, please reach out to me at malia at sleepwellstable.com and we can see what we can do. I think that this will be a great way to explore some questions, help parents get the answers that they need, and um, maybe allow me to catch up with people in real time. So Please follow the podcast on social media at Sleep Well, Stay Well on Facebook and Instagram. You can find show notes and full episodes at sleepwellstaywell.com. And you can also find more about me at maliajacobson.com. And you can reach me, as I said, at malia at sleepwellstaywell.com. Next week, we will be back with another episode on Thursday. Um, I hope that your month ends well, that you enjoy the transition from July to August, and that you are making some great memories with your loved ones of these summer days because they are gone so quickly. I will catch up with you next Thursday. Until then, please sleep well and stay well. Bye-bye. It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast, now you know. Thanks for checking out the show.